Welcome, players, to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. This is the baseball show that doesn't separate their shoulder when they hit the go-ahead home runs. It's D. Mendy here, welcoming you back to another episode from the fridge of fantasy baseball goodness. I'm joined by the big man on campus himself, Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Lil Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? When you talk about the fridge, I'm the big man on campus because I know all about desserts. I know all Ooh. about the cheesecakes. I know all about the pound cakes. Yeah. I know all about the cupcakes. I'm the man. <laughs> if okay. we didn't already call you cheesecake, we'd call you the fridge. The fridge. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also joining the show from a uh, wedding right now, we have the doc. Man, if, if me joining at a wedding after eating carrot cake and cherry cake and all the other cakes... Isn't commitment like Lou Gehrig and Cal Ripken? I don't know what is. Oh. <laughs> David, you're really having fun with that toying effect, aren't you? Playing with it a lot. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's, no one's excited to see you. Uh, <laughs> Why'd you no, let me in then? That's uh, okay. Uh, well, <laughs> as Eric drinks during the wedding, I'm we have a fun show. Right I'm drinking water right now. Oh, good. Did her sober up. On deck, we have the Two Early Mocks Review, a yearly event that Justin Mason puts together that we took part for the first time this year. At least Elsie and I did. Someone else didn't. But I know I speak for both of us how much it was fun to dive into the first mock in the baseball community. Shout out to Justin Mason for putting that together and letting Triple Play be a part of that. But um, for the listeners... We're going to give you the in and outs of that mock draft and how to uh, assess the players' values going forward when they are uh, looking at those ADPs. And we are doing that with none other than Dolph Haldhagen? Who? Oh, I mean, Alex Chamberlain, of course, is joining the show tonight. After we go to the bullpen for our question of the week, which MLB franchise comes to your mind when you hear injury riddled? And our game coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. You guys can't tell I uh, got a soundboard working for the show now, so things are going to be spicy. Update on the MLB playoffs. World Series tied 1-1 to between the Rays and Dodgers. Cheesecake, thoughts on this World Series so far? Uh, I think that it's been a great, great World Series so far. You know, the teams that everyone wanted in there from the championships, I think, well, except for Braves fans and uh, Astros fans, definitely the Rays were the, the, the betting favorite, the, 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 the favorites of the hearts of people. And, uh, and the Dodgers of course were the juggernaut. So this is a fantastic series. We got Charlie Morton. We got Walker Bueller going tomorrow. By the time y'all are listening, you're going to know the results of that game. Uh, but you know, after how Morton pitched in, uh, in the, in the, in the playoffs, uh, I think it's anyone's uh, anyone's game coming up. What are you thinking, David? I'm just happy it's already one to one because someone made a good point. I I, for, I think it was uh, Bubba. Made it, I saw him on Twitter put that if they had been down two zero facing Walker Bueller, that would have mm. been bad. And I think everybody, if you, unless you're a Rays fan or a Dodgers fan or you hate one of the teams, you just want to see the series go seven because it's two good teams, two number one seeds, two good pitching teams, teams that no fundamentals. So. I'm just happy it's one to one. I think the series is going at least six. I don't see yeah. any team um, winning the next four. So 
I'm just happy we have a good final series for baseball is my thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for the Rays pretty hard because I, I love to watch the Dodgers lose. I'm not even a Giants fan. I just like to see the big payroll team, the biggest payroll team, eat it year in and year out. But, you know, I'm rooting for a good series too. Right. And uh, that's all the news we have because, to be honest, with baseball winding down, there's not much news that comes out otherwise. But if there is, you know we're going to tell you it. Do you like what you're hearing so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show and a fantasy uh, basketball show that debuted this week. You can check out available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about being that straight A student who tries to do everything right and giving us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, annoying gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. He also drunkenly comes in when he's at a wedding. You know that feeling of celebrating your team in the World Series? You know, the champagne showers and the goggles? That's the feeling of you might get when you listen to an episode of our podcast. You want to party? Plug us in and you'll make the guest list. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And before we get to the main part of the show, I just want to give a little announcement here. For those that might have not heard or not following at Trip Play Fantasy, I don't know what you're doing, but the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast have a new home. We are now a Fantrax podcast on the Fantrax Podcast Network. Shout out to Eric Cross and the entire team at Fantrax for this amazing opportunity and believe me what we're doing with these shows. We really started getting serious about this back around March. It's incredible to see where this pod has gone. I want to emphasize this does not happen without all the listeners of this program, your ratings, your reviews, your plays, your feedback, all mean the world to us. And it's been an honor bringing you weekly content that you're choosing to spend um, and listening to us over other podcasts you may want to listen to. So thank you, thank you, thank you. This doesn't stop here. We aim to keep this getting, we keep aiming to get better and better each week. And we're excited to bring that same humor and analysis on this new platform that we're so excited about. Cheesecake, is there anything you want to add on that? No, I just real excited about Fantrax. Nothing but first class treatment from them for us so far. Just expect us to keep growing as a show and to keep giving you guys this great content. We're so excited and we're so happy that it's getting recognized and excited that it's that it's getting picked up. Yeah, and I know you remember back in the days of March where we would uh, have our we'd have the app on our phones. Oh, and we God. would talk into the phones and we would, anytime we had a guest on, they would end up losing them and have to come in like four or five times. Uh, we've come a long way and we, you, you know, as yeah. much as anybody, we've been riding through this together. Oh my God. Do you remember how we had to cut shows off because the recording was so bad? Mm-hmm. The first two shows. The guests that came on were like, what the heck are we doing right now? <laughs> What are the wild times? We've come a long way, and we should, and we're very proud. And we we're not going to sit here and, and boast anything because, um, you know, we're. I think we try to stay very humble, and we are very excited for the opportunities going yeah. forward. And we just we put in a lot of hard work, and it's just nice that it feels like people are recognizing. So I, I that's all thing I want to say about that. But let's go to the main part of the show: two early mocks analysis with Alex Chamberlain. Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device 
or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We welcome in a man that shows the world there's a better Chamberlain than Jabba. A writer at Rotographs, a two-time FSWA award winner, and 2018 Baseball Writer of the Year. Do you trust people with battle axes? Well, I trust this gentleman as he teaches axe lessons at the rec center. We are talking tonight with, as Strongbad might say, Dolph Holhigen, a.k.a. Alex Chamberlain. What's up, man? Wow, you knew what the reference was. Yeah, I lo- I've loved Homestar Runner. Oh my god. Yeah, I've only had like one other person recognize it. Um, <laughs> and like even someone who knows Homestar Runner doesn't necessarily recognize that obscure like this re- this reference that's like 5 seconds from one strong bad <laughs> email, you know. It's like not it's like barely it's like not even a thing and then it was like one of my favorite bits of like any of the e- anyway. Uh cool. Yeah, you recognize it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Uh I don't know if you asked me if I'm I was I'm so flustered by the fact that you <laughs> that you knew what it was that I forgot already forgot what you asked me, but I think I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for that, having me on. Of course, man. So I, I want to start off right from the jump. So you teach axe lessons at the uh the rec center, correct? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So if I were to give you ten throws, how many times are you gonna hit the bullseye? At least 10. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no oh, I, I'm no kind of, error bar around that. I'm kind of, kind of flustered now because I feel like I'm talking to a professional. I've never done it in my life, but it seems like it'd be fun. Yeah. What is axe <laughs> lessons? Thing. What are axe lessons? It's not axe throwing then. Cheesecake. No, no, it's just it's just Dolph. It's just from the the strong bad email. It's yeah. just he, uh, uh, right, the, right, the right, character. Right. This this. So okay. here's the whole bit. Is like strong bad. If you're not familiar with strong bad specifically, strong I'm bad. Not, yeah, um, he answers these emails from people. There's this there's this email that he got. He answers emails on Mondays. Okay, so um, <laughs> some guy asks him, or some some person asks him, what do you do on all the other days of the week? And so. He's going through his calendar, all the all the other days that aren't Mondays. And on Friday, he clearly has swim lessons, but he's too man man you know too manly to um, admit that he has swim lessons. So he covers and he says he has battle axe lessons at the rec center with, <laughs> with Dolph Haldhagen. So, so if I'm gonna pick the Dolph Haldhagen tag, I have to have um, the you know my my bio has to include that I teach battle axe. I love it. Rec- so I it's it's it. just an extent. It's just a stupid thing that I'm this extended bit I'm, that I did that only David and one other person has <laughs> known since I've been on Twitter for like you know six years or whatever. So um, super flustered, but I, I love it. I, I'm so happy that um, we can share this right now. When I saw that, I was like, he needs to be on the show. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to be disappointed if he says no. I got to talk to him about this. <laughs> well, I, did, I was going to say no, but then I was like, they oh. you know, they, they they need me. I'm you're our popular. savior, man. Uh, no, um, no, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to be on. I'm, I'm excited to be here, um, and even more so now that I know, I know I'll be, I'll be back whenever you need me. Now, 
Oh man, see, this is already great. I, so, well, before we get into everything, one question I will ask on baseball related is: you've written a lot of articles over the course of your time at, at uh, you know, doing the rotograph stuff. What is? Do you have a top article that you prefer more than any of the others you've ever written? I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was like, "What?" It's funny because, like, I'll, <laughs> I, one time someone was like, someone wrote a good post about this guy and i was like oh you should link me to that and then he links me to the post and it's something that i wrote like two years ago and i was like oh my god so like clearly i'm forgetting <laughs> things that i've written about guys or or certain research but i think i feel like what i wrote in i wrote last december about launch angle consistency or launch angle tightness and that was like to me like that was cool and also like at the same time self-evident like i feel like i i i kind of like kind of fell ass backward onto something that was kind of cool but something that like doesn't necessarily enhance our understanding as much as it does kind of like put it into a different framework that we already understood it just kind of like articulates it in a different way but um i feel like people are talking about it more and like it's it's helping people identify guys who uh, uh might be um you know might have like a better hit tool might have a worse hit tool might be showing signs of aging or Im- improvement. Um, I used it specifically to ID Jose Altuve as a bust candidate this year, and I feel like that worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um, the guy who like has roughly average launch angle consistency, and one of the things I try to emphasize to people is that like really, really tight consistency is good. Low consistency is bad, but it's not like it's not it. It doesn't damn or um, praise necessarily anyone more than someone else. Cause it, you have to look at it and you have to look at everything holistically, like a guy who has uh, a really tight consistency might be like David Fletcher. Like mm-hmm. he might hit for a high average, but not have any power and someone who hits for high power, but low consistency, like those are just two fundamentally different types of players. So anyway, yeah. Altuve, like right down the middle of the road. Um, but last year when he hit like 30 home runs, um, consistency consistency just totally bottomed out like like worst or second worst in the league and this year again um he didn't bounce back like it's it's still a problem for him um theories abound as to why that is and maybe it's injury related maybe it's something else but um you know i i think you can use that kind of metric to like even if you're not using it comparing everyone to everyone else like this guy's the best this guy's the worst you can at least use it player by player and say like this guy had this this year and it got a lot worse last year what's going to happen in 2021 kind of thing so i feel like that one's more recent that i'm i'm proud of um and uh it's probably not my number one and i'd have to go back and and look at a lot of them but it's up there i would say it's probably like a top five for me so that one's that one's most fresh in my mind right now that was a really long answer for an easy question no you're good i i that's something i haven't like cheesecake and i by the way lc stands for cheesecakes you just call them that um wonderful uh but we like we started this kind of back in like march and we've like steadily learned like you know learning more how to do like the stack cast data and reading fan graphs information so that's actually one thing i haven't looked as much into and now that you you're talking about it i really kind of want to dive into that so i know the first thing i'm reading when we're done recording now cool thanks yeah i um i was like super daunted by stat cast like i didn't start really working like looking at stat cast data till like 
the end of 2018, which was 15, 16, 20, end of 2017, which is like three years of it existing before I even like touched it. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think people, and maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm just inflating my own ego here, but I think people think that I understand it really well. And I have spent a lot of time with the data, but also yeah. I was someone at first who was like terrified of looking at Statcast data because there's so much mm-hmm. information and it's, it's so daunting to like to have if you download the data there's like 700,000 lines for each season for each full season wow it's like um you just it just is is a little bit scary when you first work with it but you know even if you're not doing it that way it's just it's just one of those things where you have to just like familiarize yourself with it just like if you had found fangraphs for the first time you're like what does any of this mean you just kind of like sit down and and be a scholar again and kind of like read yeah. read literature so to speak read posts about it just kind of understand like what each of these things mean and how you can leverage them but we all have to start somewhere and i i was just like anyone else who Statcast was brand new to me at some point it's gonna be brand new to everyone at some point so right. my advice unsolicited to someone listening to this is just you kind of just have to dive in and do it i like that i like to uh it's kind of like instead of dipping your toe in the water because it's too cold you gotta just Go on and just take that plunge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. Dive into the icy lake. No clothes. Just like golf. Well, I know. I, now I know someone who might do that because <laughs> judging from how this is with your no shirt, <laughs> I would. I would be way too much of a coward to do that. I would never do that. <laughs> well, Alex, I, I love this start because I feel like you're really going to help educate our audience here in this too early mocks review we're about to get into. And Justin Mason does such a good job of, of putting these together. For those that are unfamiliar, these two early mocks. Luckily, Cheesecake and I got involved in it the first time this year. And the best part that we I've kind of found when we were going through everything with ADP is you kind of get early indication of where some of these players may fall come draft season. I know things can change. But um, if you look at uh, Smata on Twitter, he, has, he put together the ADPs for how the drafts were going from all nine of them, the nine two early mocks came out with an average ADP, so you could kind of see, again, where each guy is kind of going roughly. So we're going to dive in here and uh, rub my hands together here as we get into the first category. And the first category we came with is the surprising short sample sizes that either boosted or dropped value for certain players. So, Mr. Chamberlain, what is uh, is there a player, for better or for worse, that stuck out to you in their rise or fall in ADP? I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot. I feel like the whole, that's such a bad answer, but like, I just, you can look at it right now and I just, I I can just tell that there's, you know, there's some, it's, it's, it's a spectrum. There's, there's some performances that are legit, but still over performances. There's some that are clearly like struggled a lot in 2020 that may also be legit, like legit issues that they have to work that they have to deal with or that are, that are going to become permanent, but still might be overstating the amount of um, that decline. And so like guys that I think of Shane Bieber or um, like Trevor Bauer, especially just, um, you know, guys that we knew had potential and capacity to be this good, but um, will not be this good for six months can totally be good this good for two months and they clearly did um but we just like if you go back and look at like any fangraphs leaderboard and split it into like two month chunks the name the list of names that are at the top and the bottom each time are going to be totally different just because that's the nature of the game like so much can happen in in 50 or 60 games so like when i'm looking at it the ones that i think about are just like 
I feel like our, our biases kind of draw us to guys with high and low ERAs and high and low batting averages for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So like Eugenio Suarez um, hit like 16 home runs or something or 14 home runs. Like he, he showed his like his, his usual 40 home run power, um, but hit like two fourteen or something. And this is a guy who isn't a high average guy, but has a career batting average on balls in play BABIP of like three ten, and has never been below 300 in any season. And then in this year, in two months, was below it was like 220 220 BABIP so that's someone who like I'm looking at this and if he had a normal BABIP he would be um Marcelo Zuna territory I think like which if I have to look at it it's he's middle of the third round and instead he's like he being Eugenio uh uh I'm gonna have to do a control F is 74th overall which is like pretty reasonable but also fully like a three-round discount Mm -hmm. um in auction dollars that might be like ten dollars like this it's a really big a really big difference in um uh in price so to speak uh and just because of a thing that like if we all sat down and thought about it a little more critically would be like yeah maybe he shouldn't be that far discounted so um suarez is someone who pops out to me as like being properly valued possibly at 75th but also being possibly really undervalued because i think people are buying his batting average at at face value i see someone like hyunjin ryu who's 71st overall right above him um who continues a streak of dominance um has thrown like the 13th most innings in the last two calendar years um and is being treated like a tier three starting pitcher when he's like a legit ace on a per inning basis and has thrown an ace number of innings in the last two calendar years. So um, the list, the list is exhaustive. um, But I think like, you know, guys who are going to be make or break next year will be like a JD Martinez type who's Mm -hmm. always elite, but um, clearly had issues with, uh, this video replay stuff. And I don't know what is going to become of that. I don't know if that's a, th- if that's going to be a thing from now on, like they can't watch. That was like a Jave Baez thing too. I think mm-hmm. he wasn't allowed yeah. to, watch. I think that was uh, what he kind of attributed his struggles to. Um, so I'm rambling. Um, but you know, like I see just, a sc- you know, glancing here, I see Jesus Lazardo ranked above Dylan Bundy just by a hair. And I, th- I think that's a huge mistake. Like, I think people are, are still kind of, hung up on Bundy being, Bundy being bad. I think people are kind of overstating Lizardo's value um, kind of from prospect hype a little bit from that small sample that we saw in 2019. Like think we're just holding on to each player has his own like specific bias attached to him and we're all kind of like clinging to it in different ways. So um, I didn't really answer the question that, that well. Um, and I probably should have like made like a, a laundry list of guys that I was thinking about, but you know, it, the problem is, like, in a season like this, we're going to find way more of those examples than ever before. Mm-hmm. And the people who are going to prosper the most in 2021 are the ones who can really, you know, like, kind of fade the noise, as they say. Right. Um, so, 
we'll we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> cheesecake. Cheesecake. What are your What are your thoughts? I know you have some names on there. Well, I mean, I think you can like like uh, like Alex said, you can dig down into the numbers, and there is a lot, a lot of noise, and there's a lot to to, to talk about. I I think when you start off talking about Trevor Bauer, he's a guy who who we have uh, who we have talked about as a tinkerer over the years put it together this year and really had a great season. I saw Steve Stone, the, the White Sox uh, color man today, say that Bauer has the fu- is the future of training and pitching. And I'm sitting there going, Steve Stone, congratulations on your 1980 Cy Young Award. But I don't know if you know what you're talking about because next year he might come out and be a four ERA. And we don't know whether that's going to happen or not. He's going something like 18th in the two early mocks. I, I, I'm in a different – early mock now where he went like 14th and so i i mean you, when you start seeing bauer creeping up into the first round i think that's a sign that people don't know what to do with pitching right now and so they're pushing up guys who have had some track record but i think a couple of the guys who i really like i really thought were surprising short sample sizes that really benefited one guy who comes to mind is kyle tucker i think uh kyle tucker got taken third average 39th overall and his sample size is incredibly small. Um, he showed the good power speed that you would expect from him, but to automatically bump him up to that third round grade, I think is is taking too much from the small sample size. He had as many ABs, as many plate appearances prior to this year and did not look that good. This year he looked really good. So I think you know, you could say, oh, there's the talent. It's coming through. But are you willing to take him over guys like Whit Merrifield? Are you willing to take him over guys like uh, uh, um, Aloy Jimenez? Are you willing to take him over a lot of the, a lot of these guys who are proven bats, proven producers? I think Tucker, to me, is not yet a proven producer. He he was inflated. Uh, Kenta Maeda is another guy who really got inflated this year. Uh, he was taken 49th. I think he was taken around 150 in July. Uh, and so he's jumped up a full six, seven rounds. Um, he was great. And, but I think that what you saw with him and what you've seen with him over the past few years is that he does kind of wear down over a season, which isn't, doesn't happen over 60 games. So he can, he can come in and now part of the price 50 is baked into that. If you were just going off his statistics, he'd be a second round pick, but uh, you're still taking him at 50. You're expecting pretty, like a, a pretty good amalgamation of what he did this year. Um, a few other guys. I want to talk about um, Alec Bohm and mm-hmm. just listening to um, Bubba and the bat flip today. They had, uh, uh, he had on, uh, oh, I forget the prospect guy he had on today, but he was talking I'll about Alec Bohm. Yeah. Alec Bohm um, being the type of guy who's, whose batting average goes up and his power goes down. And then when his power goes up, his batting average goes down and how um, he liked Cabrian Hayes. Actually, did you, did you find it? James Anderson, James Anderson. That's right. Uh, he likes Cabrian Hayes, actually his future over Alec Bohm. Now, if you look at Alec Bohm, Alex T- Bohm is taking 123. Cabrian Hayes is taking 210. I think Bohm's nice 60 game, small sample here is really pushing him up draft boards and I'd be a little bit uh, wary of 
of taking that price when you can go later for a guy like a Brian Hayes. And that's a full six rounds later on a guy like a Brian Hayes. Those are just the guys I think went up. Now the guys that went down, Austin Meadows, I was going to ask you about your launch angle analysis because we've done some analysis on Meadows and his launch angle went crazy this year, yeah. went up to like 24. And we, and part of our analysis was that might've been some of his struggles was his, maybe it's consistency in launch angle. Maybe he's too consistently 24 or maybe he's just completely inconsistent. Uh, Austin Meadows is a guy who really fell, but he still got taken 69th on average. Not uh, not nice 69th, as Paul Sporer would say, um, uh, which is a good three uh, two rounds drop. Um, but Javi Baez, Max Muncy, Anthony Rizzo, Jose Altuve, all these guys dropped multiple rounds uh, due to poor performance. I'm going to highlight one guy here, and that's Anthony Rizzo. Rizzo is typically a really slow starter. He has been a slow starter the last three seasons. So – um, I would be wary of his bad production this year, but I would also have expected him to pick up if the season were the typical length. So I got that. Those are a few guys I'm looking at. What about you, David? Interesting. Um, surprisingly, neither of you guys said any of the players I wrote down. So I keep <laughs> counting that as a win. Good. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'm not going to go in super much analysis. I do want to get to another category. There's some guys I wrote down. Randy Rosarina is now up to 116 ADP. Uh, I don't know what he would have been before the playoffs, but I thought that was interesting. Framber Valdez is at 117. I've done a lot of research on him. If that curveball is not working, that's his money pitch. His less, The rest of his pitches are, are subpar, to say the least. So I'm a little scared when there's a guy that throws one pitch excellent, but the rest aren't great to have him at 117. Adalberto Mondesi at 35. Where would he have been if that wasn't for the last month of the season where he was absolutely torrid? I mean, you saw the what the downside of Adalberto Mondesi up until the last month of the year. That kind of that volatile type of play, I'm, I think, is it's very rich at 35. I, I don't know if I'm I can get there. Corbin Burns at 65. Um, we you know we did a deep dive on Corbin, Corbin Burns. He literally flip flopped his pitch mix. You know he he basically went. Fastball was his top pitch last year. He threw it like less than 5% of the time this year. And, uh, you know, he, he threw his cutter, his sinker a lot more. Um, so I'm a little interested to see when there's more film on him and uh, with his new pitch mix. Is he going to change it to keep him guessing? Um, 65 is also rich. And then a couple other notes. Sixto Sanchez at 80. Um, you know, he's he throws 100. He's that beautiful blonde girl at the bar that you see. That you're like, oh my god, I'm enamored with her. But then when you wake up with her the next morning, you realize, uh, oh wow, it's not who I picked up. That's not who I thought it was. So I, I kind of like <laughs> that, that's how I, I kind of like look at it. In this is, I mean, he throws a hundred miles an hour. He's that sexy name, right? But uh, he has a 21 percent strikeout rate, which isn't great for somebody you would think that uh, had throws the gas that he does. His sinker, which he throws a lot, about 96, gets a lot of the zone, so he doesn't really sink out of the zone. Um, I was a little curious. I mean, I think he's that hot name again that's that's getting his ADP pushed. And then one other note is I thought it was interesting that Edwin Diaz was drafted two spots over Aroldis Chapman. And, I, I mean, again, I don't really know what to make of Edwin Diaz at this point. Is he even the closer going into next year? Aroldis Chapman I know isn't what he used to be, but I still would feel more confident with the offense he's on um, and him being able to have a lot more chances to close games and not a shorter leash. So. Those were just my thoughts. 
Um, Alex, if, if you want to touch on anything Cheesecake or I said, um, feel free. There are so many names. I was trying to like keep track of them all. The, um, a lot of the pitchers that you mentioned are are so uh, to bo- things that you both mentioned. Like, there's a bunch of hitters who are veteran hitters who maybe had like a little bit of a slow start. weren't necessarily like horrible. I know Chris Bryant was really bad, but he was injured. But there's a lot of guys mm-hmm. who are like just basically their normal, consistent selves, and that was that was that's something that usually is undervalued in a long season, it seems like it's being extremely undervalued in a short season because that's something that like, again, you'd have to, you wait six months and those guys compile mm-hmm. and the, the terminology, like you call someone a compiler, it, it kind of has like a negative connotation. Like they're not actually that good. They just play a lot and they get all their stats. Mm-hmm. And like Anthony Rizzo, like is, I guess, theoretically a compiler, but also hits like 30, 35 home runs hits for a decent average, you know, compiles mm-hmm. his runs in RBI. And, and he, is going to look less sexy to a guy who came out scorching hot to begin 2020 and never had the chance to crash. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that we're not seeing is like guys not crashing. Um, so I think there's a, a lot of, we're seeing veteran, a lot of veteran hitters are going to be under undervalued going into 2021. I think there's a lot of um, these kind of like upstart pitchers who are being a little bit overvalued, like six though. Um, uh, I still have to look into Burns, um, but like, I'm looking at the, the list right now. Uh, Plesak, I think, is probably overvalued. I already said Luzardo. Um, Framber, I I really like, and I rode him this year with a lot of success, and even I'm still a little bit wary about him going into 2021. So, um, yeah, and and looking at the closer situation, I so I, I wrote I wrote like a, a, a I wrote several thousand words about my. My, my my mock draft and I deleted it because I was like no one gives a hoot about <laughs> my about this extremely long analysis. But one of the things that I reflected on was I don't usually I don't usually target closers, and that's something that's actually been a problem for me. So I was like I'm going to make a point of getting a top closer, and Araldis was on the board at like well I got right here I got him at 109, so that's uh, seventh round. Uh, Eighth. Seventh. Mm, eighth. eighth round. Yeah. Eighth round. Thank you. Yes. Eighth yeah. round. Beginning of the eighth round. I was tw- the 12th pick coming back around. Um, uh, and I was like, and I, I think I had the choice between him and, and Diaz. I did. And, and, and Brad Hand. And I was like, I'm just going to, you know, like, I, I get that he's not elite anymore. I mean, he, I, he is very good still. Like, I think people lose sight of the fact that just because he's not striking out 50% of the guys mm-hmm. um, and isn't walking only 6% or whatever, um, that he's bad. He's still really good. And he has perhaps the longest leash of like basically any closer mm-hmm. in baseball right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to buy the guy who's a sure thing. Like there's just sure he was injured last year, but there's, there's almost no situation in which he gets booted from that closer role. Unless he right. really, really, really sucks. But it's been like a decade of him just straight dominance. Mm-hmm. Um, there couldn't be someone with a longer leash and there couldn't be someone with, there are fewer guys with higher floors than him. Um, even yeah. if his ceiling isn't as high anymore. So I was just like, I'm going to go with him instead of exactly picking Edwin Diaz, who might have the higher ceiling, but may legitimately not have a job or be out of, he might be out of a job quickly because they've clearly shown a penchant for, um, you know, just, not being patient for him anymore. So, um, 
those are thoughts about players that you mentioned that I'm remembering now, and I can't remember all of them. But That's I, all I we're all on the, we're on the same page of a lot of them. But I will fight you to death about Kenta Maeda. I'm actually <laughs> That's your face. Okay. okay. Huh? I saw your face when he said that, and I was like, oh, I know it's coming. I've been the Kenta Maeda guy for a long time. Like, There's a few of us who are really passionate about Kenta Maeda, and so we feel very very justified and proud with his performance this year. He had a pitch mix change, so he he has two elite secondaries, and he's leaning on them a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not a two ERA guy, um, but I think, like, you know, one of the, one of the, the, one of the challenges of fantasy baseball and basically the name of the game, if not fantasy baseball is to cut your losses as much as possible. So like I've done this research as many as like 40% of guys in a draft will, will bust or at least mm-hmm. not make up their, their draft price. Mm-hmm. Am I getting that backwards? It might only be 40%, only 40% break even. Mm-hmm. And even more than that don't. And many, many more than that bust completely like, you know, return $0 or less. So if you can find one of the 35 to 40% of the guys who will return their value, that's really valuable in and of itself. And so I think people like, yeah, oh no, Aroldis Chapman is not, doesn't have the highest ceiling as a closer, but if he can, if he can give me exactly what I'm asking him to give me at his draft price and also Kenta Maeda, then that's going to be a victory because that takes a lot of pressure off the rest of my team. Um, so I think that's something that people lose sight of. And obviously you, if you, if you're playing in like an overall competition, like um, did you guys do the fantasy, great fantasy baseball invitational this past we year? We're supposed to be doing it this year. We didn't okay. do it last year. Okay. So it's an overall competition. So like, you have your own league that you're playing in, but you also, there's a lot of pride to be had in winning the overall competition. And so it's like, like it's like the NFBC, right? Cause I was in the NFBC right. last year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, there's, there's different strategies there. Like if you're going to win an overall competition, you kind of have to pick guys who may have the higher ceiling, but you're gonna have to hit on all of them mm-hmm. to win, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, <laughs> It's easy for me to say that I'm not trying to win the overall, but like, uh, I guess I'm just not. I'm, I'm, I'd rather win my league, and if I get if I do really well in the overall, that's good. But I'd rather just win my league, and that's and that's really you know a lot of that will be finding high ceiling guys at the right price, but also establishing a really high floor. And I would rather do that with Chapman at that same price than than Diaz. And I think Maeda will be better at his price than who is around him. Oh, there's a lot of pitchers around him. And like Max Freed. What about like um, Zach Gallen, Blake Snell, Danelson? I like the thing is like I like a lot of those guys, so like it's a, I can't it's, really complain. It's a lot of pitchers right in that range. And, and it's, a uh, decent, I, it's a decent array of pitchers too. Like I, yeah. I don't have a lot of complaints about many of them, except for maybe Max Freed. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I think like if I was splitting hairs, I might end up with Maeda over a few of them. Yeah. But um but that's right. This is kind of like right before it gets to that really disgusting range of pitchers where like it, Paul Spore calls it the, um, the blob. Yeah. I call it the land. The, I call it the minefield. I'm sorry. Because like, it feels like once you reach like the 25th pitcher on the board, they just start busting like crazy. And you can see that like every year, like 25 to 45, it's so dicey and you have to spend a lot of draft capital on these guys to just hope that, they're going to be one of the good ones. And that's like, that's very specifically what we're talking about with like Sixto and Plesak, um mm-hmm. and Luzardo mm-hmm. and stuff. That's like, mm-hmm. that's that 
juicy range where guys feel like they're getting value and they could be just just not. So, um, again, a really long answer to yeah, a really short good. question. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's going to be wild, man. I mean, I, I feel like I'm not going to be well prepared no matter what I do. Like, I can, I can sit here and study all offseason and, and just still not really have a good idea of what I'm doing, which is not a good thing to admit, but like, it just, it just seems especially complicated this year. It does. Um, so I'm going to have that combined, just kind of the one, five and four and five that we were going to talk about and focus on two other categories. And the, one of the other categories was which positions give you the best value. And then just maybe kind of thoughts in there, positions that might be not very deep positions you can wait on. So kind of just breaking down the positions itself and cheesecake i'll start with you for the positions part what are your thoughts just kind of when you analyze the positions during this draft well i was i i at the same way that alex said a lot of good veteran hitters got pushed way down the draft board here and i if this holds there's a ton of value late in hitting um just looking at third baseman from pick 142 to pick 213 you have Mike Moustakis, Josh Donaldson, Gio Urshela, Brian Anderson, Miguel Sano, Justin Turner, Cabrian Hayes, and Kyle Seeger. That's all in the ninth, late ninth round and later. So that's uh, and 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 they're all like and I, I I skipped Renato Nunez, I skipped JD Davis, I skipped Tom Tommy Edmond. I mean, there's a lot of real value you can get. A lot of guys you can fill out your roster there um, because. Pitching, pitching was so crazy. It got pushed way up in this draft. And a lot of uh, more sexy names got pushed up. When a guy like Kyle Seeger, who put together a great season, uh, for uh, on the whole, produce a compiler-type season, as Alex said. But he's going 213. That is insane. This mm-hmm. is a guy who's going to be hitting in a good lineup, an improving lineup. Uh, so I really like late third baseman. I really like late second baseman too, especially because when you start getting to the top of the second base board, you're you're talking about guys you don't know what they're going to do. Keston Harris strikeout rate is so high. Uh, are you going to bank on Cattell Marte's power coming back, even though his batting average is pretty nice? So then you look at guys drafted after 100, uh, Jeff McNeil, Jose Altuve, his dra- his draft price went down. He was at 113. But you also, after Altuve, have VR, Cronenworth, Moustakis, uh, Nick Solak. These guys are all after pick 109. I feel like uh, if these sort of draft prices hang, you can kind of hold hang back on those positions and really get a good solid starter, actually, going in like the 15th or 16th third baseman off the board. So I, those are two positions that really stuck out to me as guys. There was a lot of value late. Um, I'm just going to give mine real quick because I want to give the floor to Alex to answer this. So the only thing I'm going to say is shortstop. It's like that bucket of ice cream where you keep having more and more and there's more and more ice cream in there. I mean, if you look at the shortstop position, you have Fernando Tatis up top, Trey Turner, Trevor Story, Francisco Lindor, Manny Machado was shortstop eligible, um, according to this. Bo Bichette, Xander Bogarts, Alex Bregman, Adalberto Mondesi. 
Corey Seager, Tim Anderson, Glaber Torres. Those were the top 12 guys. And it goes about 25 deep for at least for me that I would have been comfortable taking at my as my shortstop. I think that position is so, so deep. There's no need to rush to get the, uh, you know, I mean, obviously if you have a, a top few pick, you might want to get the the Tatis Turner for the, and story because of the steals they'll give you. So I completely get that. But if you miss any of those guys, I'm comfortable waiting at shortstop because there's so many studs. Alex, what are you thinking? Yeah. So I, um, so interesting. This is like the unsexiest answer, but catcher yeah. is okay. So catcher sucks. Yeah. Uh, but there are five guys in the top 150. So in the first 10 rounds, only five catchers are going to be taken. You can get Gary Sanchez, who is of dubious skill at this point. Clearly has power, but we th- this whole batting average thing is very suspect. But seventh off the board, 12th round. My favorite of everyone on here, Christian Vasquez, is doing the math – I'm so bad at it. 15, 12, uh, 14th round. And so he would be like my, he's a top five catcher for me in like the 14th round. So you can, you can wait forever to get a catcher. And that is pretty good. Like you don't, it's all relative, you know, like JT real Muto is, um, is the best catcher pretty much bar none. Um, uh, Sal Perez is suddenly getting his shrift after being injured in 2019. I mean, he's, he's been a top 10 catcher for the last decade, except for last year when he, or the, the previous year when he was injured. Um, but if you, if you don't have to spend $20 on a catcher and you can, and, and these are, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm converting ADP to dollar values just for like, sake I like of that. comparison. I like that. And I, I'm just ballparking it too. I don't know if that's real, but like if, if you're spending $20 on JT Real Muto, how much, excess value is he providing over $4 Christian Vasquez who mm-hmm. may not hit for the same average power or speed, but gives you enough of all of those things where it's like, is it worth it to bump up my catcher pick that far? Mm-hmm. Someone might be, someone might be snarky and be like, yeah, get both of them. And like, I, you know, I would be, I, I would like having both of them, but it's not mm-hmm. always that easy um, to kind of craft your, um, your your strategy that way but i also have guys farther down the list mitch garver if he bounces back he's 13th off the board um pedro severino is just purely um uh, a bulk play like at a certain point you want guys who can just literally get to 500 plate appearances that he might be one of them um danny jansen carson kelly are former top prospects with good hit tools who have not really kind of come around yet who i do like wilson ramos is by far my favorite pick of mm-hmm. the whole list uh, aside from Christian Vasquez. But like, if I, if I need my second catcher or even my first catcher, he's going outside the top 300. Um, and he's going to be probably top 10 easy next year. Um, I'm not even, I don't even think that's like a, a contentious thing to say. He's, he's another guy where like his batting average was bad and people are like, Oh, he's done. No, he has like a low BABIP. It's just one of those like two month things where he just didn't have time to heat up. But everything else, like all his stat cast stuff, when you go look at it, is basically rock solid. Same, same as always. It's just like we're looking at a two month window, and that two month window was a little poorer than usual. So no one would ever talk about catches this much on a podcast ever again. Um, I regret already doing it. No, I, <laughs> I, I wanted to actually piggyback onto that because 
as I was going through, I, I got Real Muto. I did some analysis of him, and I was going to come back early and have really good catchers because I feel like that is a real big advantage in a two-catcher league to have two good catchers. Mm-hmm. But I I found that, like, waiting, there were so many good catchers on the board. I ended up being the only guy that took Jan Gomes, and I took him because he's going to be in Washington, and Suzuki's on the last year of his contract now. So I feel like he's going to be get he's he's one of these guys who has a chance, like you said, for um to get at bats. So I'm the only guy who took him, and I felt like, well, he had a pretty good offensive output this season. He looks like he's gonna have that uh get at least fifty percent playing time next year as a second catcher. I feel like that's good. I felt like in the two early mocks, the catchers were that you could have just waited and gotten both your catchers after pick 300 and really not complain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think like, so I, you know, a hundred percent would love to have Real Muto on my team. Would love mm-hmm. to have two really good catchers. Mm-hmm. And I think like in a normal draft, you can totally do that. And if you execute the rest of your draft really well, you're fine. Like Toby yeah. of Batflip crazy would absolutely grab Real Muto mm-hmm. and be fine. And he'll be able to pull it off, but like also take what the draft gives you. Yeah, You know, like if, and I think this is something that probably won't stick going into the next season is that catchers will always be this cheap. Like, I think that's, I think that's going to correct itself mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but again, it's all relative. So if, if every catcher is really cheap, l- let them fall to you. Like, there's no reason to go out and get them. And that's, that's the same with pitching this year and, and kind of in recent years. Like I, I always think about this, like I really started playing in earnest in 2012 and um, you would never find a pitcher in the first round. You might not even find a pitcher in the second round um, mm-hmm. that year. The top two pitchers were uh, Kershaw and Felix, I think. And they were like third rounders. Wow. And you, you could, I mean, if imagine if that was the landscape right now, like you, you have hitters for two rounds and then your first pitcher off the board is DeGrom you'd have to recalibrate everything you're doing. Like every mm-hmm. single thing about everything we're doing right now would be different. So right. it's, it's all relative to the position that you're talking about, which is why we're doing this right now. But if catchers are going to fall, let them fall to you. You can go get them and that's fine. You can make it work, but you might as well accept the value where the market is offering it to you. Also um, shortstop is a great position. I would be willing to wait forever. I think, I would love to anchor my team with any of those top five, Mm -hmm. Um, even six skipping Bichette, maybe Bichette, but also Bogarts. Um, But also like who Dylan Moore um, kind of like an interesting skill set that we're all a little unsure about going 17th, basically averaging like a 20, 30, 20 homer, 30 steal, 230 average across his career so far. Like, Obviously, the average is not the best, but if you're going to pick up that kind of four-category or even five-category production like mm-hmm. in the heart of your draft, that's fantastic. Like I, right. I was in my, in my mock draft. I basically – this is so stupid, but I, I, I just wanted to challenge myself. I said, get as many five-category guys as you can um, in odd number rounds, and then in even number rounds, I pick pitchers. So I went um, Jose Ramirez, uh, Darvish – Kyle Tucker, someone else, Hyunjin Ryu. Um, uh, what was the the next one was like? Um, oh my God, I'm so mad at myself. Trent Grisham. 
Trent. Did- oh, it was it was close to Trent Grisham though. It was someone else who was five categories right next to Trent. Um, and then after that was Dylan Moore, and then after yeah. that was like Tommy Pham or something. I just kept like stack. Oh, Biggio, Biggio was the other one that I got. Yeah. Um, and, and just stacking them up, and like you can keep doing that for for several rounds just kind of like stacking up these five category guys you can find them everywhere but anyway dylan moore is a nice one right there marcus Semyon fell really far Mm -hmm. um uh, just another example of a guy who had a slow start probably i mean i I have to look a little bit more closely into it paul de young 35th shortstop off the board that's insane might be 30 home runs um uh ahmed rosario is someone that i highlighted who's 42nd off the board who is basically coming off like two straight seasons of like basically 20 homer, 20 steal production. Um, his only flaw last year was that he didn't steal any bases. And I have a, a very hard time believe that that's a trend right. going forward. Like a guy right. who so much of his values tied into his legs. He was yeah. like 24 years old, suddenly stops running. Like I don't buy that for a second. So if right. you are willing to just take a leap of faith and that he'll start running again, you got, another guy who's probably like a top 12 shortstop right. um, in 2021 at literally basement prices. So shortstop's a great position. First base is, um, is horrid. Um, is yeah. genuinely terrifying, but again, like this is kind of the nature of the beast of people reacting to two month samples and not, not embracing Renato Nunez as a legit first baseman who has done what he's done for like eight baseball months in a row this 30 homer 250 average thing like just just accept it for what it is like it's not elite but he, he's gonna deliver on that draft price no matter what um farther down you have rowdy Tellez. is that how you pronounce it i've never rowdy said it out loud. Rowdy, i think it's rowdy to yeah rowdy to i mean it's french probably so you probably don't even pronounce the z um, but we're we're all white here, I guess. So we rowdy play. We're, we're, yeah, it's always like it's probably just like tell or tell. Te, you know, anyway, thirty um, first off the board. Like I like the base skills there. Um, it's really easy to like make fun of him for being a chunky dude, but like pretty pretty good stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, so like you could just pick apart each of these these positions. I think um, right. third base is and cheesecake noted some really great third baseman. <laughs> Mustakas Donaldson. Actually, that's this is kind of like circling, like coming full circle. My draft, I actually ended up with four third base eligible guys, and basically, like again, my, my strategy was just going hitter pitcher, literally hitter pitcher the whole time, and forcing myself to kind of just react to who was the best player off the board. And in four separate instances, I thought a third baseman was the best bat left on the nice. board. I feel like is a testament to the depth there, or if not depth, then the misvaluations of undervaluing Moustakis and Donaldson and Urshela and Sano and J.D. Davis and Turner and Nunez and and Seager and... A lot uh, of value there. I can keep naming them. Eduardo Escobar even, who was like pretty good, um, is very like, is very like a a vanilla player, like not Mm -hmm. super good, but like... 20 home runs, a 280 or 290 average in 2019 was pretty awesome for what he could give you. If you could get that again at pick 290, is what this is saying, that's fantastic. So I feel like you have a lot more leeway this year to like pick your shots. Right. And to like grab, grab bona fide bats and arms that you know will be good and then like take risks on guys that were good just last year and might just might be being undervalued because of 
short-sightedness, basically. Yeah. I want to get to our last category we're going to talk about here, and that's just the first round ADP thoughts. Uh, last year, you had two pitchers going in the top 12. This year, it's three. Tatis is all the way up to number three. Soto is at number five, and I know Cheesecake and I think he potentially could be number one. He, we yeah. might draft him as number one. And I also have Cody Bellinger. Uh, he's just outside the first 12 picks, but there's a lot of guys going after him that I like a lot more. I know it's kind of a popular take right now. Harper potentially getting taken ahead of him or Freddie Freeman, other people that are first base eligible. So that's all I'm going to say and turn it back. Cheesecake, I'll turn it to you first. Your thoughts on first round ADP and kind of what, how you saw everything break down and, and, you know, problems or anything you saw with it. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go right back to the area of the first round picks 12 through 16. If you were at the back end of the first round, the value is amazing. Yelich, Bellinger, Freeman, Lindor, Harper. If you're at the back end of the first round, those guys, uh, with the exception of Freeman and Harper, were top five, six picks at the beginning of this season. And Freeman and Harper were second-round picks, and we both – we I don't know anyone that doesn't believe that they're legit right at that spot. You can double-dip in hitting right there and start your offense off really nice with a Lindor-Harper, with a Freeman-Harper, with a Bellinger-Lindor, Yelich. Uh, if you can put, come out of it with Yelich and Freeman or, or any of those two, uh, you're going to start off your team in a real nice spot. So I think that, my, to me, the story was was all that great hitting value at the back end of the first round that you could just feast on if uh, – it, it, if it keeps falling this way and the push up of pitching, like you said, three guys in the top 12, uh, because really the uncertainty after the top three or four or five, you, you had to get your ace if you felt like you were going to have a good staff. That's the way I felt about it. That's why I went Cole first round because I was like, I'm not 100% sure how this is going to fall out. I need to get my ace pitcher. I And then I looked and saw it. I passed up Bellinger. I passed up Freeman. I passed up Lindor. And it was like, ah, well, thank goodness this was a mock because really the the real value there is getting one of those high first round bats that's available at the end of the first round. I like that. Alex, what, what about you? What are you thinking for the first round? Yeah, I think I, I think my my perspective was a little bit skewed because I got the max pick on Jose Ramirez, um, 12th. Everyone else was 10th or earlier, some as early as second. And so I, you know, that was get, getting auto, um, randomly slotted 12th. Like it was just, I felt like that was kind of like the max threshold for getting someone who I think is a, a first round lock. Um, and, and what I mean by that is like a lot of these second round guys are probably first round caliber. Um, there's only maybe a dozen or fewer that I would say they don't deserve at all to be in the second round. But once you get past that, you can like make an argument for, for a little bit, for a little bit more than that um, for like Machado and Harper. I think like I said it in a tweet earlier that I think I'd be very comfortable drafting out of the back end of a first round. Um, Like if it was a 15 team draft, I would be okay with getting like ninth through 12th i don't like drafting too close to the turn because it really screws up screws me up but um yeah like 9th to 12th and like if i was in a 
if I was in a 12 team league, I'd probably pick like seventh or eighth. And that way I could like almost for sure lock in one of like Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, um, Trevor story, Jacob deGrom, Garrett Cole. Like I, I, I could structure my draft so that I know that I'm getting one of those five guys and then wind up with like Freeman Machado or someone like that around the bend. Like I, I can only dream about starting 12 team drafts again, because I feel like this year is going to be really good. If you have a strong idea of who you want to take early on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's weird. Um, and again, I still, I feel like when I look at this ADP, I, I can tell that there's more happening here than I was able to keep track of in a short season, like Arenado falling to 22nd. Um, Albie's having a down year, but going up to 27th. Um, Bregman falling. Obviously, I'm a little bit aware of what's going on in, in Houston these days. Um, but just like kind of fine-tuning my my expectations and, and kind of calibration of these guys. Um, but like what Cheesecake said, like I could, you could draft 15th um, in a 15-team league and come away with two really good players. Um, and not lose sleep over it. Like it's it's not it's one of the worst spots to draft out of. You want to maximize your first round talent, um, but it feels like it's running so deep this year that again you could you could draft fifteenth and be totally fine. Like I wouldn't lose sleep over getting randomly plopped into fifteenth. Um, that would work out just fine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. There's first round is deep. I mean, people say that every year, but it really is a lot of great hitting, and it's slipping, like you guys were saying, with the rise of pitchers. So I think this is a really good discussion, just as far as how people can kind of reflect back on the ADPs, these two early mocks, and kind of figure out, hey, like this is how these drafts were going. So I might figure how I want to draft come when it actually matters. So I think you guys helped a lot of people with that. I do want to move to our next segment, and that's going to be our question of the week. And our question of the week is sponsored by Manscaped. Autumn's in the air, and Manscaped is, <laughs> Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. By pumpkins, we actually mean your boys downstairs. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls, and great news They just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia, where we actually get a few percent of our listeners. So happy about that. So guys, let's be honest. When trimming the hedges, you you don't want to be like Josh James out there. You want precision, and we want accuracy. So they want you to have Jacob DeGrom-like dominance when you trim, which is awesome because the Lawnmower 3.0 is the best trimmer for your butt, balls, and body using its advanced skin-safe technology. Their new Wee Whacker ear no- and nose trimmer uses that same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. And let's not forget to mention that Crop Care Kit, which includes the Crop Ball Preserver deodorant, Crop Cleanser, and Crop Mop ball wipes. This deodorant body wash that you can also use in your hair and these ball wipes all go hand-in-hand with pumpkin spice lattes. You never know when an opportunity strikes to stink, so you should always be prepared Imagine stinking around the fam at Thanksgiving dinner. No, thank you. You got those stanky feet. We also got a product for you, the foot duster, foot deodorant, a free gift to you with your purchase. Lastly, take a look at the Manscaped Refined Cologne as it's a cost-effective way to smell clean and fresh for your date. 
These formulations from Manscaped are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free, which I don't even know what that is. So you know your manhood is in good hands. Get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code triple play. Your balls will thank you. Make your balls a priority this fall. Okay. Will do. Well done. I well wish done. they were pumpkins. That sounds like a <laughs> what a luxury to have pumpkins down there. Matt, I feel like you'd be a like a South Park reference when Randy Marsh puts them in a wheelbarrow <laughs> and wheels them around. Oh boy. So our question sponsored by Manscaped. Which MLB franchise comes to mind when you hear injury riddled? So thinking of all the past injuries, more current, just which which franchise has that bad injury luck? And Alex, you're the guest, so I'll start with you. Uh, whew, like long term, I don't know. But recently, it's the Yankees. I mean, mm. What a nightmare. Holy smokes. They Like 2019, they had like 27 guys on the injured list at once or something like that. It was bananas. So um, I would say the Yankees um, in terms of genuine injury and in terms of injury list manipulation, I would go Dodgers. Ooh, guys I, that's, a, that's a nice article. Actually injured, but like getting their ten days of rest, so we can put a, like slot a six starter in there. You know that's that you know that's gonna happen. Well, they what they extended it back to fifteen days though, right? Did I miss that? It's it's gonna be fifteen days again. I think. It's, did they just announce that recently? No, I no, 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 no. I, I think I think there was like a CBA thing, like, season. Yeah. Okay. I think they're yeah. talking about like bringing that back yeah. at the next CBA discussion. So like. They can yeah. only do it for so much longer. But anyway, um, Yankees, I think it's going to be the Yankees. I don't know about long-term. I'd really have to like puzzle over that one. But the Yankees the last two years have been a nightmare. And I, I don't know if that's like – that's really wild in and of itself. Like to have such a to have such a strong analytics group bringing in all these cheap guys who are popping off. Like they're clearly doing something right. But then to also maybe just not have – physical therapists or like like i don't know what they're investing in but for some reason every single guy is gonna like strain a hammy or like pull a calf muscle or 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 break a hammock bone and that's not a muscle thing but you know like it just seems like there's something wrong every time and and maybe that's just the the nature of the beast when you have like two of the largest human beings on the planet as your as your your bash brothers so to speak but um yeah, Yankees is the sh- is my short answer again. A long answer to a short question, but it's the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely the best answer. Cheesecake, were you gonna say that, or are you going in a different direction? Well, I mean, the Yankees. I, I have a few other uh, sort of. Go ahead and take. I'll go ahead and take mine. Art, go ahead. I, I'm not going to take yours. Uh, the Yankees are are the is the right answer to this question. Um, they uh, they have lived on the uh, on the IL uh, for a lot of their players have been on the IL. If you look at this past season, Judge went on, uh, Stanton was on. Um, they also had Severino. They had uh, uh, they had COVID cases with, and they had Aroldis Chapman on. You know, there was a lot of them on there. So I think the Yankees, like you said, I don't know what they're doing with their training staff, but they can't seem to keep these guys healthy and it's really hurt them. I think the Red Sox have to be mentioned here because they gave a 200 and something million dollar contract to a guy with a spaghetti arm who's hopefully pitches again next year and Chris sale. And he's going as the 35th pitcher off the board in the two early mocks, which I think is a little, little bit, a little bit pricey for a guy coming off of Tommy John and Tommy John didn't happen until was it like, 
Archer April this year. So maybe mid next year he might be ready. Um, whatever team has Rich Hill. <laughs> uh, so in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and the other, and, and, and I just have to, you know, I, I bring up the Cubs don't, every don't week. Say oh, okay. okay. Uh, I bring up the Cubs every week, but for some reason, Chris Bryant's shoulder has been a problem for about four seasons. Uh, I don't, I don't know. They, they haven't let on that there is some sort of permanent condition there that can't be fixed. They're always like, Hey, hey we got this shoulder. It's back. And then he has the same shoulder problems again. So, that those are my answers. Okay. Well, thankfully you didn't take. I obviously had the Yankees, but I had a backup, a couple backups in case. Um, so I have the Braves on here. Mike Soroka out for yeah. the year. Max Fried had, was on the IL. They lost their whole starting rotation at one point. Yeah, true. Um, true. And I feel like the Braves have some of that a little bit in them. The um, the in the Mets. The Mets always seem like their pitching is always getting destroyed. Matt Harvey with thoracic outlet syndrome. Noah Syndergaard out for the year. DeGrom had some arm troubles a little bit ago. Stroman didn't pitch a game for them. Uh, or, or, you know, it was in the pre- – whatever it was. Out. Or I thought he got he hurt. Yeah, I think he opted out. But, like, Wheeler in the past also. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, and also Jet Lowry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, oh, he's like oh, not even played for them at all. He's been there for like a decade or something. No, not that yeah. long. But yeah, he's uh, he's like the the quintessence of of Mets injuries. If you uh, look up like IL in the dictionary, Jed Lowry's there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, those are all great answers. So with that being said, let's move to our last segment of the week, and that's our game of the week, and. We saved this for last. It's always one of our funnest parts of the show. And also, Alex, you're being our guinea pig because now I'm first time I'm using a soundboard. So, oh, okay. Uh, this yeah, is actually good so far, I think. Yeah, we've, yeah. Never, we've never done this before. It's a new wrinkle. Okay. Well, I, I mean, if you hadn't told me, I wouldn't have known. Wouldn't have <laughs> it seemed like it was, seemed like it was, you've been doing it since the dawn of time. Oh, man. I appreciate that. So, we are going to MLB Guess Who. Okay. okay. So, I have five players here. And how this is going to work is I'm going to give you the first clue. They get easier to get to the player as I give you all six. Each player has six clues with the, with them. So six points if you can guess it after the first clue, five points, the second clue, and so on. All right? So it's going to be a, by points who wins, not if you get the question necessarily. Obviously, if you get it right, you're going to get the points. But um, So it's, it's going to be an interesting game here. And our guests have a, usually a pretty good track record. But uh, cheesecakes come and try to bring the title to the triple play pod. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you ready? I, I'll probably blow it. I'll probably give the title right back to you guys. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. So, player, I'm just gonna go player A through E. Okay. Player A, I'm mostly utilized as a second baseman. And how this will work? Just say your name if you want to buzz in. If you get it wrong. You'll get one more shot to guess it at some point, but if you get it wrong twice, then you have to wait for the other person to make a guess. Okay. All right. So, first qu- first clue. I'm mostly utilized at second base. Clue number two. My nickname is La Regadera. Question three. I play in the American League. Clue number four. I hit 321 with no home runs in my 112 at bats in 2020. Uh, 
No home runs? No home runs. <laughs> oh my god. I'm really bad at this. That's all right. Cheesecake. <laughs> Question five or clue number five. I've only been on one team in my two years in the big leagues. All right. And this is the last clue. Two years. Fuck. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. You're good. The guests are allowed to curse. We're just, oh, we fuck say yeah. It. All right. Cool. <laughs> and the last one. I'm known for my batting average more than my power, as I was talked about as a potential. Oh, Luis Arreyes. That is correct. Oh my God! I yeah. Woo. He hit three twenty. I was going to guess him, but I didn't think he hit over three hundred. I was like, zero home runs. What? He I came like, on at the yeah. end. Okay. That Ooh. was the name who popped into my head, and I was like, "Wait, he had a real down year." I thought he, at the <laughs> end he he was hitting like two fifty, but at the end he like. I mean, he didn't have a lot of at bats, so it boosted oh, it up. I feel like I should have oh, okay. I had when you said when you said three twenty one with zero home runs. I thought him, and I was like, "Wait a second. He had a he, he had a bad year. I'm not going to put him as a 321 hitter. <laughs> well, I mean, it's anybody's game. Alex only got one point for that. All so right, all right, one zero. Oh, and uh, he's and so yeah. So I should have uh, I got to give you the uh, well, I guess no one got it wrong technically, but I'll give you the yeah. uh, I'll give you the ding for credit right. Okay, Great question two. Now. Question two. Player B. I played five positions in 2020. David most- Fletcher. <laughs> right, right, right off the gun. Did I get it? Is he right, soundboard? And luckily, Art will cut this. The uh... there we go. I define. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like the first person I think of playing like every single position. All right. Okay, so I only get one more guess after this. You get one more guess, and then you can come back in, but you have to wait for Cheesecake to guess. Okay. Oh, okay. So he. Okay. So all right. I blew. I. I don't have any leverage left. All right. Well, no. You. You. No, you get to guess again. But if you get it wrong a second time, you have to wait for him to guess once before you can hop back in. Got it. Okay. okay. Clue number two. My nickname is El Patron. El Patron. Question number three. Clue three. I play in the National League. Clue uh, number. Jerkson Profile. Art is he correct? Oh my yes. god! He five positions this year. Yeah, I, I checked on his uh, MLB.com. He played. It was like one or two games at every other position, but all four, uh, all four infield and then outfield. Yeah, huh. left field and second were his biggest ones. Um, wow. Oh wow, Art, Art got that after. The, so you got four points. That was the third right. clue. So it was the third one down. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. Went back. I'm not going to come back. It's four one. It's funny. We got three more players. All right, player C. I'm a pitcher, although I don't usually start games, I finish them. Clue number two. My nickname is Samana. Clue number three. I play in the American League. Roberto Osuna. <laughs> I don't know any nicknames, so I got I got to wing it here. Board is it Roberto Osuna? <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. All right. <laughs> Question four or clue four. I ended up going three and zero with a sub two ERA and had four saves in twenty twenty. Clue number five. I work in a crowded bullpen. Rafael who knows? Dolis? Huh? Rafael Dolis. I work in a crowded bullpen where who knows when I'll get saves. 
Nick Anderson. Oh. All right, so Alex gets Alex gets a guess before you have to. He gets uh, you can come back in. All right, the last clue. I play for the Rays and I'm considered a good but not great strikeout pitcher. That's right-handed. Is it <laughs> right-handed? Is it Diego Castillo? Oh yeah. Oh, man. It's Alex. funny when you said that and he said Nick Anderson. I was thinking that bullpen, but that nickname wouldn't be on Nick Anderson. Samana, you're right. That was that was where I went wrong with it. Yeah, you, you jumped the gun. <laughs> but I'm still. I've gotten more questions right, but fewer points. Right? I got one more. I got one point on that one. Yeah, so it's four to I'm two. Very much excelling in the last round here. <laughs> so we got two players left. Player D. Clue number one. I'm a hitter. That plays strictly right field. That's all the position he played in 2020. My nickname, clue number two, is Billy. Clue number three, I play in the American League. Clue number four, I'm a former first-round pick that hit four homers and 20 RBIs in 2020 but had a bad 218 batting average. Wait, number, oh, sorry, can you read that one again? I'm a former first round pick. Former first round, okay, okay. You got to guess or should I keep going? No, I'm an idiot, so keep going. <laughs> Clue number five, I play for the Indians and am forgotten about Billy in the outfield. McKinney? Huh? Billy McKinney? Is his nickname Billy? Is he even <laughs> on the right? Even on the Indians? <laughs> I don't even think he is. Billy, what the heck? It's a weird nickname for this guy. I don't know how it's his. Nickname. All I can think of was guys named Billy. I'm like, what's going? On? Tyler Naquin. Was he a first rounder? No. Oh my! Got God. it. He is a first round pick. I did wow. not. I was a guess. Completely guess. That was good. That. Two points for that one. So Art is now as a six to two lead going into the last question. But Billy McKinney, though, hold on. Is he? <laughs> Even, he's not even on the Indians, right? There's no I don't Blue, think so. Blue Jays. Brewers now. Brewers, he was on okay. the Blue Jays, and that's what I was thinking of, but he's yeah. not even on – allegedly, he's on the Brewers now. Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. Was he part of the Travis Shaw trade? Probably. Probably the Travis uh, Shaw. Yeah, I think so, and then um, and then he got waived, it said, in September. Okay. That's cool. interesting. Guy named Billy, nicknamed Billy. My brain is clear. <laughs> like, it's a, to be fair, it's a weird nickname for a guy named Tyler. Slowly disintegrating over here. Um, okay. a, lot, a lot like a goat or something like that. Somebody goat face. All right, this is the last one, six to two. two. So I need to get it in like the first two questions. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's anybody's ball game right now. So if you get uh, it. I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. All right. <laughs> All right. Here so. we go. Player E. I'm a relief pitcher that pitches both the eighth or the ninth historically. Clue number two. My nickname is Crash Landing. Oh, God, I have no idea. Clue number three. I play in the National League. Oh, I, I got I got. Don't read anything else. I got to be able to tie it here. Stop <laughs> I, reading. You got two guesses, so before he, he potentially gets to uh, – do it before you again. Jesus Christ! I mean, he can he can guess if he wants. I was gonna say, um, I'm I'm so flustered by the 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 NL thing. Crash landing. What he's pitched, the he's pitched both the eighth and the ninth historically. I truly do not know who crash landing could be. I'm just gonna say like Jeremy Jeffress or something. 
Is he right, Board? Crash landing. Do you know Cheesecake? Crash landing? Uh, and, and, mm, Andrew Miller? Is it Andrew Miller? No. Do they like when you find these nicknames? Are you just going on Baseball Reference? It's on MLB their MLB.com player profile page. Okay. Are these like common nicknames? Like in in the broadcast, are they calling him this or anything like that? That's a good question. Okay, <laughs> not, I just want to make sure that I'm not the only one who doesn't know any of these nicknames. To be fair, I would not have known any of these before okay. I looked it up. Cool. I was like, am I am I that far out of the loop that I don't know all these guys' nicknames? Are they being called these nicknames? Okay. I- yeah, I, I think I got El Patron for Jerks and Profile. I think I knew that his he was Patron. And so I was trying – as you were reading the clues, I was trying to remember. It's like, what was his name? I drafted him. Profile. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all right. Uh, this, all right. Clue number four. Wait, wait. Let me get one more guess. Do you have one more guess, Alex? No, no I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Okay. Oh, wait, okay. wait. You haven't read the next, the next thing? Oh, I, I haven't. I haven't. Uh. This is breaking the rules, but I'm just going to ask you, is he good? Is he a good pitcher? He's a fantasy – he's been a fantasy-relevant pitcher. He's kind of like in that in-between right now. In one before. National League, eighth and ninth. All right, I'll, I'll give you guys this hint. This, I'll give this hint. Melanson. I'm going to say Mark Melanson. Is he going with Mark Melanson? It's not, board. It's not right. What do you think? <laughs> Clue number four. I have the same first name as a famous comic book character. Spider Man. <laughs> Jones. <laughs> no, okay. Um, if only. I'm gonna let you keep guessing because this is actually <laughs> No, I don't I don't know. Um, famous comic book. All of us know these comics. I actually never read comics. The you only know, you know this name, I'm sure. The only real first name I can think of is Clark. And I'm like, there's no Reliever's named Clark. Clark Kent, because of Superman. Um, Bruce. Oh, I can't think I'm of gonna, Bruce. Yes. Okay, I'll go to the next clue. I had two wins, six saves, and a sub three ERA in 2020, and got the loss in my one playoff game. Oh. Brandon Kinsler. Is it Brandon Kinsler? American League, right? <laughs> there was oh, he, National League. He was in the Marlins, wasn't he? Was yeah. He? Yeah, he's not on the. He was on the Twins before that. Right? I'm so used to him being on the Twins. He was the Twins, and then the Cubs, and then the Marlins. Was that it? Right. Twins, Nationals, Cubs, Marlins. Twins, Nationals, Cubs, Marlins. Thank you. Yeah. All right, uh, you guys will. You guys will know it if I read the last clue. All right, just read it. The last clue, I pitched for both Arizona and Cincinnati this year. Archie Bradley. Yeah. Crash Landing, huh? I don't huh. know how it makes sense, but that's his nickname, Crash Landing. <laughs> that's not helpful. Well, <laughs> I, didn't, I forgot that he got traded. Yeah, no. Oh, it, he got traded. And he got the one game he pitched for the Reds in the playoffs. He got the loss, too. Well, cheesecake. You right, did. You did win the. You did win the game. Oh, I like that. So like you that. get get your ten seconds of FaceTime real quick, and then we're gonna plug Alex out of here because we've held them up pretty long. <laughs> All 
Uh, no, yeah. I just want to thank Alex for coming on. Uh, I mean, I honestly could dive deep deeper into all these topics with Alex. Uh, and, uh, you know, Alex probably doesn't have enough time for all the questions I, I'd <laughs> want to discuss with him. So uh, thanks for coming on. That's all I want to say. Yeah, Alex, uh, really appreciate having you on here. It was a real pleasure to be able to talk with you here tonight. Yeah, it was it was great being here. Um, I, I always feel badly because I talk, I usually talk way too much. I'm someone who like doesn't try to talk to anyone ever, but when you get me on a <laughs> podcast, I won't shut the fuck up. So <laughs> you're kidding, you just talk and like waste your time. It's not any skin off my back. I think it's fun and it's great that we went an hour 20 or whatever. It's awesome. Um, if you ever want me back, I'm more than happy to be back. Um, but otherwise, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun and thanks for having me on. Oh dude, we're definitely going to do a part two. I have to have you come back and beat cheesecake. And actually we have a third member of this show who actually almost never misses it. My brother usually is on here with us too. And it just adds more fun to it. So we'll have to have you back if, if, as long as you, like you said, you're okay with coming back. Definitely do it again. And, uh, make sure you're following Alex and if hopefully you get the reference at Dolph Halthagen on Twitter and uh, Alex, are there any projects you're working on or anything you want to just plug to our audience? Uh, I'm looking at my whiteboard. I don't really have a lot happening. I wanted to kind of um, circle back on launching a consistency and just kind of look at guys who maybe have improved the most and, suffered the most since last year and just kind of like maybe make heads or tails or what they might look like in 2021. Um, I wanted to look at release point consistency. So like in StatCast, they measure pitcher release point and you can wow. calculate how consistently they repeat that release point. The one thing I don't know is like guys move around on the mound on the rubber. So it might not be, it might not be capturing that, appropriately and also i don't know if it matters so it's like one of those things i want to look into but like quickly i can see like robbie ray is one of the worst chris paddock is like up there as one of the best and you know chris paddock is like i would call him a command artist low walk rate robbie ray doesn't know where anything's going ever um so i think there's some merit to like looking at the extremes but kind of want to look at that a little farther um otherwise not work on anything um i will just plug my tweet I thought was really awesome. You asked David um, prospects who have busted, um, and I said Vlad Guerrero. I That's that was- right. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, everybody's just going after it. Everyone, everyone thought it was really funny, or they got really upset, which is perfect. <laughs> um, thank you for lobbing that one up for me. That was one of my better shit posts um, <laughs> but uh that's it that's all i'm working on is, is just really bad tweets right now so hey i'm here for it man I, I love seeing the the tweets that get everybody going and stuff like that and and i, I was like i was surprised because i was like i didn't even follow like alex and then i was like i was like okay i gotta see more of these fire tweets and so uh yeah dude like um, so i'm so stupid <laughs> just no, like, it's, fun, man. <laughs> it's all good but um we'll close it out here everybody listening Hope you enjoy the World Series. We'll catch you guys next week. We'll do a season recap. Until then, stay safe.